Good morning, good morning. As we uh, end our year 2020, and we have just exited from our celebration of Christmas. Merry Christmas to all. I pray that God blessed you richly in your Christmas time this season. Uh, we have been reading through the Gospel of Matthew here, so we've been reading through as we prepare, prepare ourselves for the celebration of the coming of our Savior. We've been reading through Matthew, so we've read the genealogy of Jesus and his lineage as the Davidic king. We've read of the angel's pronouncement of his miraculous coming birth. And we've seen the humble beginnings, the humble birth of Jesus entering into the world. Now, three of the four Gospels share this Christmas story. In Matthew, as he shares about Emmanuel coming, God with us. You know, Luke gives a, a lengthier account of the coming of our Savior, Christ the Lord. John simply says uh, his Christmas story, I, I love it, is, and the Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. So in our Christmas season, we praise God for the gift that is Jesus, that Jesus, that God stepped out of heaven and into flesh to join us here. But we also praise God because the exciting news this morning, the, the thing that excites me this morning is the story didn't end there. This morning, as we, as we set, have just celebrated the birth of Christ entering into the world to bring salvation today, we see as Christ enters into his work here on earth. And so we're going to be in Matthew 3 this morning. So as you turn, please turn with me to Matthew 3. We're going to be reading through Matthew 3. We'll read the entire text. And as we do, please, uh, I, I'd encourage you to maintain the enthusiasm that we had through this Christmas season entering into the new year. And may this word, the words that we see here this morning in Matthew 3 encourage us and excite us about what is to come. So let us read Matthew chapter in those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he who spoke, who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah when he said, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Now John wore a garment of camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist. And his food was locusts and wild honey. Then Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region about the Jordan were going out to him, and they were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruit in keeping with repentance, and do not presume to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. Even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn. But the chafe he will burn with unquenchable fire. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, 
Let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water. And behold, the heavens were open to him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, this morning, God, as we hear from you, as we hear a word from you, God, may our hearts be turned to Christ. May our our lives be enriched by your word. May we, Lord, uh, be changed by your word. God, we thank you for Christ. We thank you for his miraculous birth. And God, we pray that you will reveal to us, God, the idols of our heart, that they may be removed, that Christ may be at our center. Lord, we love you and we thank you for the great love you have shown to us. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, 2020 has been a, uh, has undoubtedly a crazy year for us all. We have not done some of the things that we would like to have done. We've had to do things differently. Many challenges, none more so than with, of course, coronavirus or COVID-19. And throughout the year, Many have looked forward to a day when there would be a cure or a vaccine or or something. And in fact, there's been much talk about uh, for some time, a vaccine is on the way. But we didn't know. We didn't know whether that would be tomorrow, next week, uh, maybe next month, by the end of the year. In fact, some would say next year or they'd said, you know, many years. It, It takes many years for a vaccine to be developed, to be tested to be approved. We have or had no idea of when it was to come. But then news broke. You know, there's a, there's a vaccine on the way. A vaccine is, is, is going before approval. And I'm sure there were many who were skeptical. You know, this is, this is it's not going to pass, or, or will this be the one? But many also might have said, you know, it's kind of like you read online, something is coming and we have to check our our sources. Uh, Well, I saw it on Facebook, so it must be true. (laughs) So the skepticism about not just the news, but about who's giving the news. But soon that skepticism went from not just skepticism, but now curiosity. Where is this vaccine to come from? What, What will it be? And it went from skepticism and curiosity to now it's, if I've heard the news, do I believe it? And will I take it if it's available? Will I receive the vaccine? You know, all of this speculation leading up to the pronouncement of the vaccine is here. And there's a name given to it, a company name given to it. And very much so like that in our text today, we're going to see how the coming of the king, the coming, the arrival of the king impacted those people of his day. And let us also take from that how we today should be impacted of the impending coming of the king. Today, we'll, we'll see three ways in which we should be impacted, three ways in which we should be changed, three ways in which we should respond to that coming king. So first, we know that the coming king must be proclaimed. The coming king must be proclaimed. His arrival must be proclaimed. As we see 
In the first verses of Matthew chapter 3, in those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah when he said, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight his paths. Who is this John the Baptist? Who is this one who is preaching, proclaiming, heralding this coming of the kingdom of heaven? Well, we know that John uh, was related to Jesus. So John is, uh, John is, his mother is Elizabeth. Elizabeth is Mary's relative and Mary being the mother of Jesus. We also know that John's birth was foretold of by an angel. The angel declared that John would turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go before them, before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to make ready for the, for the Lord a people prepared. Fast forward 30 years, 30 years or so, and we pick up where our text is today with John preaching in the wilderness of Judea. By this point in John's life, he's made quite an impact on the people there. They were wondering whether he was the Messiah. They were wondering whether he was Elijah. They wanted to know whether he was a prophet. They wanted to know who was this who was heralding this news. And it was important, was the, the pressing question was, who was it that was making this claim? The Jewish people had been awaiting the Messiah. They had been awaiting this coming. John the Baptist is proclaiming that we must repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Who is this that is making this claim? Well, he's the one, he is, he is calling himself the voice that is crying out in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord. Now to us, we've, we've read Isaiah 40. And to the Jewish people of that day, they would have been very clear, would have been very clear where that reference was coming from. That reference from Isaiah 40. We, we know it because we have God's word. Those there would have known it as well that he was speaking of, he was a voice crying out. Now, it's important, the context of the Isaiah 40 chapter. The context of that is that God was bringing someone to bring comfort to his people. In Isaiah 40, verse 5, it says, And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. We read that this morning. God was bringing someone to comfort his people. And not just anyone. He was bringing the one. John the Baptist was set apart to prepare God's people for the coming of God's Messiah. He knew the day was coming pretty soon. Jesus had been in the world for 30 or so years, but the fullness of time had come for Jesus to step into, to start into the ministry for which he was sent to earth. And John was there to proclaim it. In fact, in what the, the gospel writer John writes about this, he says, this is the testimony of John the Baptist. So John the Baptist is testifying as the voice in the wilderness making a way for the Lord. In the Gospel of John, the testimony, the word testify there in the Greek is the same word that we see in 
Acts 1.8. It's the same root word in Acts 1.8 when it says, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all of Judea and all of Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Witnesses, just as John is testifying to the coming of the Lord. Acts 1.8 refers and speaks to us. Just as John was proclaiming the coming of the Lord, he was going to step into his office as redeemer and mediator. So do we, so are we called to be witnesses, to testify. John proclaimed, may we be the voice in our wilderness today that is proclaiming the coming of our Lord. In fact, we who have received such a great gift as Christ have an obligation, a, a uh, command, no less, to share, to tell others. Now, those that don't know me, I, I do like to watch YouTube, and, and sometimes I, I watch Penn Jillette, Penn and Teller, the, the kind of magician kind of comedy uh, group, couple, or duo. And Penn Jillette has this to say, and he's, a, he's an atheist, but he, he says this, and this is interesting. He says, if you believe that there's a heaven and a hell, and people could be going to hell or not getting eternal life, and you think that it's not really worth telling them this because it would make it socially awkward, how much do you have to hate somebody to not proselytize? How much do you have to hate somebody to believe that everlasting life is possible and not tell them? Brothers and sisters, it's our loving obligation to proclaim the coming of Christ, the, the coming that, of our King, that we may prepare the way for his coming. The coming of the King must be proclaimed. That applied to John the Baptist, and that applies us today. Second, the coming of the king requires a response. So the coming of the king must be proclaimed, and the coming of the king requires a response. In verse 4, we see, now John wore a garment of camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. Then Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region about the Jordan were going out to him, and they were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. There are two groups that we see here. The first group is Jerusalem, Judea, and the region around the Jordan. And this is not to say that everyone responded. But it's clear that many responded and came out to John. They had heard his proclamation, they had heard his word, and they had responded, they responded and came to be baptized and to confess their sins. John the Baptist was confessing, or was baptizing for repentance, and so they had responded and come to repent. This is the proper response to the proclamation of our coming king. The confession of their sin was testimony to their repentance. So they had come to be baptized and to confess. They had responded in faith to the proclamation of the coming of our king. The second group, the Pharisees and Sadducees, and he says, but when he saw the, many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, you brood of vipers who warned you to flee from the wrath to come. Sounds like a different response to this second group of Pharisees and Sadducees. These were the 
religious leaders of the day that had come out. Now, what we read in other Gospels is they didn't just come out to be baptized and, con and confess their sins. They came out to question John. Who are you? That's, that's, those are the ones who were asking him and asking him who he was. These people had the appearance of righteousness, the appearance of godliness. In fact, what is spoken of here is he rebukes them. They had assumed or presumed a place before God because of their lineage. He says, you know, that we have Abraham as our father. Do not presume that because we have Abraham as our father. He tells them that God is able to, from these stones, to raise up children for Abraham. So let us not presume because of our family lineage. Let us not presume because of our place of birth. Let us not presume that we are right before God. It's kind of like today, I, I think of, as I ask others, hey, are you, are you a Christian or, or how long have you been a Christian? Many will say, oh, I've been there all my life. And we know that our faith is, is ours, that we must turn to Christ. We must repent. We must be the ones who gather, who God gives favor and faith. We must receive that personally. John goes on to, to give them some instruction, and, and this is a stern instruction here, that to bear fruit in keeping with repentance. This is similar language to Christ, who will, Jesus, who will give this same bear fruit um, explanation or bear fruit language later on in Matthew 7. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus, write, Jesus says, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. John is telling the Pharisees and Sadducees and all who would hear. So as he spoke to them, he was speaking into the hearts of all who would hear. That God calls us to bear fruit or produce fruit or live lives that are consistent with repentance or a repentant heart. The warning he gives to them is the same warning that Christ gave in the Sermon on the Mount. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. He who is coming will separate the wheat from the chafe, the true believer from the false. This is a, a warning of the impending judgment to come. We know it to be true. Do we believe it today? As we sit here in the sanctuary, we sit in the fellowship hall or at home watching, how is God calling us to respond to the message of the coming king? Like the first group, do we need to respond in faith? Do we need to turn to Christ as Savior and Lord? Do we need to confess our sins today and repent and turn to Jesus? Believer, do, are our lives bearing good fruit in keeping with repentance? In Colossians 1, it is written, So as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work, 
and increasing in the knowledge of God. That applies to us believers. That we may walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. May we bear good fruit. May we bear fruit in keeping with repentance. The coming of the king must be proclaimed. The coming of the king requires a response. What will your response be? Because, number three, King Jesus is coming again. John the Baptist is preaching of Jesus' arrival onto the scene. We know that there is a coming again. You know, there's interesting, and in 2020 comes to an end, many are looking for a vaccine to save us. And again, and I spoke of there is a name that's going to be associated with it. There's a name that's going to go along with it. In our case today, we kind of know it's Pfizer or, or Moderna. We know, however, as believers, there's one name that saves, and that is Jesus Christ. One name. And in these last three, these last, uh, I guess, four verses of Matthew 3, Matthew paints a, uh, a beautiful picture as God publicly identifies Jesus as the promised Savior. Now let me first say of great, with, uh, of great importance, this is not that Jesus, a man, was kind of hanging out and then God finally delivered the Spirit unto him so he could do the work that God had called him to do. This is not just a man who just then receives, as we read here, the Spirit. This is Jesus, the Word. As John 1, 1 writes, the Word in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. This is Jesus who said, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. And this is Jesus who is spoken of as he's the same yesterday and today and tomorrow. It writes, it says, then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him saying, I need to be baptized by you and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, let it be so now for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented and when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water and behold, the heavens were opened to him and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. The eternal God, the Son, came to do a work. And he is now stepping publicly into that work. And what we see, this picture, let us not miss the beautiful picture here as we go through what we have read. Let us not miss what has happened. Jesus, in perfect obedience to the Father, to fulfill all righteousness, is baptized. God the Son is baptized, and Jesus is inaugurated into his office. The Spirit descends on him like a dove. This is it identifies him as the God-man in whom the Spirit dwells and reigns. And then we hear a voice from God the Father divinely attesting to my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. This beautiful portrait of the Trinity present 
all there at one time. That the God, the Father, God, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are all there. The Trinity there is declaring this is the one. In Genesis, we read the, the Trinity mentioned, hey, let us make man in our image. Let us make man in our image. And here we see that same Trinity coming together to declare, let us save man in Christ. God has identified Jesus as his son and the one through whom we would have salvation. Today, we as believers know that Jesus will return. He's going to return to judge. He's going to return to judge the living and the dead. We do not know the day or the hour that he will come, but we are certain that as God has been faithful to, live, to deliver his son as a baby into the world, his son to save us of our sins, we can rest assured that God will be faithful in bringing his son to return to judge the living and the dead. The question we have is, God has identified Jesus as judge, King Jesus. The question for us today, this morning is, is King Jesus reigning and ruling in our heart? God has shown him to be the one and has brought him as a, as a child. And, and 30 years later, we see him enter into his office as redeemer. He has come to save, to do what no one could do for themselves, to do what only God could do. And the question is, is he God and Lord in your heart? We know that King Jesus is coming again. We know that the coming of the king must be proclaimed. We must go and tell. The coming of the king requires a response. Let us respond. The king Jesus is coming again. We can rest assured on that. You know, it's our last Sunday together before the end of 2020. The new year will be upon us, and uh, although I'm not one to, to normally to, uh, to make resolutions, as I close this morning, I, I pray that we would resolve to do three things this year. As we respond to this gospel, as we respond to God's word here today, let us resolve to do these three things. First, let's resolve to be the heralds of the good news. The word for proclaim, or the word for preach there, as he preached, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, is a heralding. He is the herald. He is the, the one who is sent running to proclaim the coming of the king. Let us be the herald of the good news. Let us be the voice crying out in the darkness to the light of the world that is, has come and the light of the world that will come again. Let us sow gospel seeds to prepare for the growth that God is going to give. God will be faithful to call and redeem a people to himself. Let us sow gospel seeds and pray for God's growth. So let us resolve to be heralds of the good news. Let us also resolve to respond in faith to the gospel in our lives. 
How do we respond in faith? If, if, we are not, if you are not a believer at this moment, God is calling you to respond in faith. Turn to Christ. We would love to share him with you. We would love to tell you about Jesus, the Savior that has come, that we celebrate as Christmas came into the world. He died for our sins on the cross, was raised from the dead so that we may be right before God for those who put their faith in Christ. We would love for you to, to, hear, to share that with you and walk with you as you respond in faith to the good news. If you're a believer, are, are you bearing fruit in your life? Are you walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. We too have sins to confess. First John tells us if, if we are faithful and if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse, cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let us respond in faith, walking in a manner worthy of the Lord, confessing our sins, God cleansing us. May we respond to the, call, to the coming of the king, that we know that he is to come. And prepare ourselves, pray to God to cleanse us of our sin. Let us also resolve to have Jesus as king in our lives. We all know that there's a lot of uh, noise out there, there's distractions, there are things that uh, are pressing in our lives, um, work, uh, illness and family, uh, death of loved ones, there are lots of things that can take us away or take our eyes off of Christ. But let us resolve to keep Christ as king on the throne of our hearts. Not work, not kids, not uh, politics, not King Jesus on the throne of our hearts. Let's resolve that as we go forward, that will be our heart. And let us pray for one another that we may respond and we, we may be faithful as we uh, are the voice of the king that is to come again. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we are thankful, God, that you have brought King Jesus here. We, we are thankful, God, that you came to dwell among us. We are thankful, Lord, for the salvation that we have in Christ. Lord, you have done for us what we cannot do for ourselves, Lord. You have loved us immensely. Lord, help us to have changed hearts, to respond faithfully to your word, that we may be found faithful, we may be found pleasing to you. And Lord, may King Jesus be king in our hearts and our lives each and every day. So Lord, rid us of the the noise and other distractions in our lives that we may trust in and rely on Christ. And God, we pray for this work in our hearts every day. Lord, we love you and we thank you, Lord, for your great love for us. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.